And the church said? Amen. Amen. It's good to see you today. I know the audience, were, were, the crowd is a little light today. I think, there's a, I think there were like 55 went to, to Dallas. They heard there was a good preacher down there, and so they just made a trip down there. No, just kidding. There, there's uh, Winterfest, and they always have that this time of the year. We're excited for them, praying for safe travels back home this afternoon. We're glad of, uh, they got a chance to do that again, be a part of that. It's kind of a family event, actually, it's turned into. It used to be a kid thing, but I think the adults are enjoying it probably just as much, if not more, than the, kid, the, the young people, the teenagers, I should say. And so that's a good thing as well. But we're thankful that you're here. We do have some visitors with us today. Always delighted to have you. Um, you know, I'm the minister, the guy that gets to stand up here, the one that's blessed to stand before this audience for all of these years now, and, and it's just been a true blessing. I uh, just want to thank Kyle again for leading us in the songs today, and it sets our hearts and our minds, and David leading us this morning in our communion together with each other and with God, of course. Those are things that we believe and things that we do here at Western Hills. If you're visiting with us, know that we, we serve a risen Savior. Amen? Amen. Maybe you heard about the woman that came home. She came home from shopping, and as she walked into the kitchen area out of the garage, her husband was standing in the kitchen with what seemed to be a wire coming from his waist plugged into, seemingly, the electric coffee pot that he was holding. He was standing there just shaking frantically with his eyes closed. Well, she thought he was being electrocuted, and so she jumped into action. To break the current, she reaches in the garage, grabs a tube four, and hits him in the arm as hard as she could. She breaks his arm into two places, only to find out a little bit later he was listening happily to his iPod. <laughs> Whatever, I thought it was good. <laughs> decisions, wrong decisions. We make wrong decisions. I don't think you have to teach anyone to make a wrong decision. No one. It's something within our nature that we do. We just make wrong decisions. It can be we make a wrong decision in the car we buy or the house that we buy, the location that we buy, maybe even the school that we pick to go to or some would even say the spouse in which we chose. The friends that we choose, sometimes they're bad decisions. We don't think so necessarily going in, but we find out later when we're coming out of those things, perhaps. It puts us in debt and, and all of those things, but anyone can make a wrong decision, and we all are guilty of making wrong decisions. So once again, I try my best to set the playing ground as equal, and, and if all are guilty of making wrong decisions, then we're all equal. Scripture does say that we've all fallen short, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3, and it does teach us that, of course, and we know that we have, we've made wrong decisions in our lives. I remember in the late 70s, I was, uh, Don and I were married, and we were living in Michigan at the time, I was working for Ford Motor Company, and I made a decision, notice the big word there, I, Donna was in Kentucky at the time visiting her family, and I made a decision that it was I was going to buy a new pickup truck. So I decided that I was going to buy that new pickup truck, but it was not going to be just an ordinary pickup truck. It was going to be the biggest one they had on the lot at the time. 
It was going to be a four-wheel drive, and it was black, and it was silver, and oh, man, it was sweet. And I justified that by saying, look how big it is. It's got to be great. I made the decision. I thought I could justify it by simply saying, well, you see, honey, I, we, we live in Michigan, and there's a lot of snow in the wintertime, and it's a four-wheel drive, and I can pull people out of the ditch, and therefore, it will basically, honey, don't worry about it. It will pay for itself. I decided, and I bought it, only to find out when I arrived in Kentucky, the first words from my wife, which I didn't tell you, I decided to trade her car in on it, <laughs> only to discover when I pulled into her parents' driveway and she came out, and her first words were not, oh, I'm so glad you decided to buy you a pickup truck. Her first words were, what did you do with my car? I am so thankful there wasn't a back seat or uh, whatever back there at that time because I, she would have probably drove home and made me sit in the back seat, I'm sure. But nonetheless, bad decisions, we make them, don't we? Sure we do. I don't want to talk to you about bad decisions today because we all make them. And you know one right now that you wish you'd have never made. I want to talk to you about good decisions making right decisions, because that's something we have to teach ourselves and even our children, our grandchildren. Got to make right decisions, make good decisions, good decisions, good decisions. Try to teach that. Give me an amen. amen. All right, very good. So how do we do that? How does one go about describing that? Well, the first things have to be first. And the first thing is, I would believe that you have to make a decision to surrender to Jesus Christ. That you have to make a decision to follow God first. Now some of you are thinking, oh, we've already got that covered. That's no problem. Well, I'll get to you in just a minute. But let it be known that that's what we're about is allowing people to realize and teaching them that the first thing that they need to do in their life is to surrender their life to God. Why is a question. A life given to God always gives more in return. Did you know that? That's the great thing about God. God doesn't ask you to give Him your life and you get less. God says, give me your life and you get more. How do we know that? How can you convince me of that? Someone might say, well, the initial surrender carries with it an eternal promise. That's why. That's good news. Give me an amen. You see, the initial surrender that you give and you surrender to God, knowing that there is a God, when you surrender, you have an eternal promise from God. That means you live forever. Even when you die, yet shall you live. Therefore, a life surrender to God gives with it the ability and the assurance that you are sealed in the courts above. We'll discover that. Now, for the rest that have already surrendered to God, the key is in our lives is to surrender all to God. All to God. See, I don't have a problem surrendering to God. I have a problem surrendering all to God. Anybody with me? That's the key is the all part. It's the all surrender in our lives. If all is not surrendered, one cannot possibly receive all from God. Did you know that? 
If all is not surrendered, you cannot receive all from God. How is that possible? Well, if you have a 20-ounce cup, even though it's 20 ounces and it holds 20 ounces, it doesn't hold the 20 ounces of what you want it to hold if it holds something other than what you want. If something's already in there that you don't want, you're not going to get a full 20 ounces of something that you say you want. And that's the way we are as Christians oftentimes. We allow God to come in to a degree, but we don't allow, allow God in all the way because we still like a little bit of this down here. Anybody there? It's a struggle. And that too is a decision. It's a decision that we make. Now, if you are lacking something in life, and this is true to all, for all of us, if you're lacking something in life, I would simply say, ask yourself the question or guide yourself through the spirit that lives within you. Allow God to teach you or prompt you and to show you where you have either refused or failed to see what it is that God wants for your life. And things then begin to change. Because that's what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to fail. He doesn't want us to refuse what will get us to the level in which God wants to take us. But yet that's where we find ourselves. If one just fails to see something that needs to be changed in their life for the better, normally if it's pointed out to that person without hesitation too long, they usually make the adjustment and get back on the right track to receive what it is they say they want. For instance, if you're going down the road and you can't find a particular place and so you pull over and you ask someone, hey, do you know where Smith Street is? Oh, yes, you've just passed it. You need to turn around and go back two streets and turn to the right. Oh, thank you. You make the adjustment. Now you know what needs to be adjusted, so you make the adjustment. Some people just don't know, so they need to be told. And when it's pointed out, they receive that, and the change begins in their life. But then there's a, the other thing. When it comes to knowing what it is, knowing change is needed in one's life, and yet it's met with refusal, is where we struggle the most. In other words, talk about something that doesn't touch my life where I need to change my life. Let's talk about something that's easy today. Let's just talk about God's love. God loves me. God loves you. Let's go home. That sounds good, doesn't it? Because God does love us. But God's called us to change. All of us. Because you've admitted in the beginning that you make wrong decisions. And so do I. Guilty as charged. Many Christians fail to get what it is that God has in store for them. Normally because of their stubbornness or their failure to ask. Anybody stubborn in here? A lot of wives do this right now. Okay? Stubborn. Stubborn. Just stubborn. Anybody that way? Huh? That's something that God wants to work on in your life, is your stubbornness. Did you know that? And we usually fail to receive from God because of our stubbornness. Just like we do when we're driving down the street and the wife says, ask the guy where Smith Street is. And what do we men do? I got it. Don't worry about it. Right? 
thank God for phones and, you know, GPS and stuff now. And by the way, it's every time I've pulled it up, it's a lady's voice. There's probably a reason for that. My wife reminds me of that. See, I told you. Women are smarter than men. Turn around. Pull a U-turn. No, I'm not pulling a U-turn. I'm just going to continue to go, and I'll find Smith Street if it's the last thing I do, which is usually the last thing I do. How about you? That's what we do. We become stubborn. And so when God checks our spirit, we often are stubborn. Or we just fail to ask God. He says, ask and you'll receive, but yet we fail to ask. What have you asked for God today? Have you asked God anything today? God? Something today. God? What is it? Help me prepare my heart for worship today as I drive to church. Ask God to prepare your heart. Ask God when you're headed off to school to teach or to work or wherever it is that you're going, God, give me the right spirit today as I go into work today because a lot of people don't have that good spirit and I want to be one that has the good spirit instead of the negative spirit. Guide me with that. Asking. Nope, I want to be negative, so I'm going to be negative and I ain't asking God so we don't get it and nothing changes. The first great step in your life is to surrender to God. There is no doubt. I'm going to give you a a shotgun approach of Scripture here real quick. Just jot them down, look for yourself, and they're all ones that you know. There's not one of these that you haven't heard from me before or you've read before and probably even know by heart. For the first one would be what? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. A surrender to that gets you what? Everlasting life. The question is, do you believe that? That's what it's saying here. It's available to you. So maybe you don't have that information and you've never been told that before. Well, here it is. If you do what this verse says, you can receive eternal life. Someone maybe to hear today or maybe someone listening and and, and later on they might receive that and they might go, you know what? I need that in my life. I just need to believe that so I want eternal life and that's how I get that. Hey, thank you very much. But sometimes as believers we forget that, don't we? So the question is, do you believe that? The next one I would give you is a verse that they used, uh, uh, well, no, it's the, 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 yes, the next one is Romans 10. It's the one they used in Bible class today, Mike did anyway. And this one's a little bit different translations for if you tell others or repent or you confess that Jesus with your mouth there, it says, Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your own heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You want to be saved? If you want to be saved, look what happens you gotta, you got to confess that Jesus is Lord. No one, listen, not one person in here that's a Christian became a Christian without confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. And no one from this point on forward will ever come to know Jesus Christ unless they accept Him as the Lord of their life. So that's a pretty awesome, do you believe that? See, it's pretty simple. God doesn't make it difficult, we do. Do you believe that? Let's look at the next one. Jesus said, I tell you the truth as though he could tell you anything else but truth. I always find that interesting when that comes there. I think it's more like Jesus saying, hey, pay attention. Teachers ever do that in class? Hey, pay attention. And he says, 
whoever hears. Did, did you catch that? And in John 3.16, it says that. Whosoever. You know what you're a whosoever? That's you. Here, look at that. It says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears, that means you, hears what I say and believes in the one that sent me has eternal life. And the church says, Amen. Amen. That person will not be judged guilty. You see, you're going to be held guilty if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know why? It's because you're guilty. Unless you stand in the blood of Jesus Christ. And you do that by believing that He lived, He died for your sins, and rose again on the third day. Give me an amen. amen. All right. But notice what it says there at the end. He says... That person will not be judged guilty, but already has left death and entered life. Do you believe that? Let's do one more, and then we'll go to the next step. John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. Did you notice that? My sheep listen to my voice. And notice what it says next. I know them. You see, God knows you, everything about you. All your bad decisions in life, God knows every one of them. I know you. He's saying, you can't fool me. It doesn't say you know God. It means that you believe in God and you're getting to know God. God wants you to know Him. And so watch as it works down. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They follow me. We're just followers of Christ. Give me an amen. amen. Now what? I give them what? Eternal life. And they will never die, and no one can steal them out of my hand. And the church says, amen. that's good news, isn't it? Sure it is. Hope you get the point. Listen, there are two that want to lead you in your life. Two. Jesus wants to lead you to a place called heaven, an eternal life with him. But there's another one that wants to lead you. His name is Satan. And he wants to lead you to the slaughterhouse. And that is a place called hell. A great life begins with a surrender to God. A surrender all to God. Question. Where does your destiny lie? Where does your destiny lie? I think that's a pretty honest question to ask anybody. When you die, where are you going to spend eternity? Sounds like a Billy Graham statement, doesn't it? He was so good at that. He could, you, you could just see the thousands of people that filled the stadiums, and he would ask that question with such humbleness. Where did you plan to spend eternity, my friend? And was it Schaefer? Who, who was it that sang those songs for him? Who was the singer for Billy Graham at the end? And they would sing, Just as I am. And people would just flood over a simple message of have you surrendered to Jesus Christ? It's pretty amazing. All because, where does your destiny lie? I will tell you, my friend, that it lies in the one that you are following. Who are you following? 
If you're not sure, you can make a decision today to change that. You know what the beautiful thing today about today is for the non-Christian? Listen closely. You know what the beautiful thing, the most beautiful thing about today for a non-Christian is today salvation can be yours. Isn't that awesome? You know what the most beautiful thing of the day for the Christian is? Forgiveness is available. But neither one without a surrender. Surrender. Number two, make a decision. Make a decision to live your life. And someone says, there's a saying, I don't know if it's still around or not, it's a living a life. Ever hear that? I'm just living a life. Or we used to say back in the hippie days, long hair Bob, we would say, what? We would say, I'm living the life, the good life. I'm living it. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying this today. Make the decision to live your life in accordance to your birthright. Christians, you're new. You've been born again into the family of God. Are we living up to that? Born into the family. You don't get to choose who you're born into in this world. Roger's a Wood. I'm a Davidson. It's just the way it is. It's who we are. But you can choose today who it is that you can be born into. Let me give you an example there real quick. I was born a Davidson, of course, and if anybody knows me, I was, uh, I, I'm, I'm very proud to wear that name. And I wear that name, Davidson, with great pride. And I, I, and I mean that. And one of these days, I hope to live up to that. But my parents were wonderful people. You've never met them. But I tell you that. They were wonderful, godly, Christian people. They were. And they gave me a name to live up to. But they also taught me that there was a greater name than the Davidson name. And that in that, I could, if I chose to, I could choose that name, Christian, and there in wearing that name, I would be blessed beyond measure, more than they could ever give me in 10,000 lifetimes. Because it came with an inheritance that could not be, they could not ever give. They could give me earthly wealth, perhaps. They could give me things, perhaps. They could give me a, a lot of things, if you will, of the world that they had worked hard to build up. Even that good name of Davidson. But they couldn't give me the one thing that they knew that would connect us for all of eternity. And that was, I had to choose God for myself. It was a surrender now, for me, is to the birthright, my new birthright. What is that? It's the heritage. It's something passed down due to the birth experiencing the birth and the water of baptism. I'm born into the family of God. I've died to self and now I live with Christ Jesus. Give me an amen. So now I have a new birthright. Now I carry the name Christ with me. Everywhere I go, I'm a Christian, Christ-like. That's all it means. 
I'm trying to live up to that name. But with that, why would I want to live up to the name? See, some people don't want to live up to the, their family name. That's just the truth. They don't care what their mom and dad worked hard to get. They don't care. And they live their life whatever way they want to. And they even bring shame and reproach upon their family. And you've seen it. It's hurtful. Some people do that in the family of God. Well, now I'm saved and I have this and so now I can just be free and do whatever I want to. And Paul says, Lord forbid. That was my old life. This is my new life, he says. But if I remember my inheritance... Once you understand who you belong to and what price was paid to deliver you, then I think that's when you believe differently and act differently in your life. I just realized what my parents had done for us. My father coming from a second grade education and how he had provided always for our family. We never went without food. We never went without shelter. We never went without God in our lives. And once I realized how hard it was for him to work that name, to be honest and, and trustworthy and all of that within the community in which we live, that that name was precious. It was more precious to them. I remember one time at church, I remember my father was working and my father hurt his back really bad. And he was out of work. He had to have some stuff finished or worked on his back and things. And, and in this process, he was out of work for about two and a half months. And my mom worked two jobs. She worked two jobs to try to get by. And I remember one time when they just didn't have quite enough to pay the, the bill that was due. And I remember them going to a guy by the name of Brother Utley, a good godly minister, and, and said, we, wanna, we, we, we just have to. It, 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 we have to pay this back. We have to pay this. And they gave them $100. I'll never forget it. But you know what I'll never forget? I'll never forget when my mom had those $1 and $5 and $10 bills to give that back. And she said, here, we thank you for your help. You don't have to do that. I know I don't have to, but I do. Something about that, if we understand. Many Christians never learn this truth, and they live beneath the honor and the name given to us. How sad. Others somehow try to change their lives, and they never do because they think that they somehow can do it on their own. I messed up, I made a bad decision, so now I'm going to make another decision. And that decision is going to be just wonderful. Did you ever make two decisions of the bad, the same thing that were bad? Anybody? Like the truck by another truck? No, no, I didn't do that. Did you ever make, you, you, you realized, doggone, I made the same decision before and it didn't pan out and I've made the same decision again and guess what? It didn't pan out. Anybody but Harley. The rest of you, man, you are good people in here. But it works that way in these decisions that we make. You can't do it on your own power. You can't just say, I'm going to do it now. I learned my lesson, now I'm going to do everything right. Really? That sounds like your teenager, doesn't it? I'm sorry, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Hello, right? Well, in, in regards to that, let me say it. The great thing about being a Christian is Ephesians 
I don't have it up on the screen. I failed to put it up. Here's what it says. Now here's to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine according to his power. And if you stop right there, you're like, wow, yeah, God can do anything. Amen? But do you know what it says? His power that is at work within you. More than you can ask or imagine. God is saying, I'm living inside of you, and inside of you is me. And with me, there's nothing that can't be done. I'm going to give you the power that you couldn't do things before, but now I give you the power. That's the beauty of of being a Christian. God gives us the two perfect gifts from the get-go. Did you know that? Number one is salvation, of course. Names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Give me an amen. You know what the second greatest gift is? The Holy Spirit to live within us. He thought of everything. He knew we needed saved from our sins, and He knew that we couldn't do it alone. That's worth an amen. Isn't it? Sure it is. I don't know where that's on the list here, but I put it there. Anyway, Isaiah 41, here's a good verse for us. And these are the words that uh, popped out to me this week. I lay a verse down, I'll look at it, and I'll come back and underline some things. And these are the words that popped off the page for me. It says, don't worry because I am with you. Don't be afraid because I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. I will support you with my right hand that saves you. I am the Lord your God. Now, you can read that in just about 15 seconds. And you can move to the next segment of Scripture. Or you can really absorb those things off the page because watch what it does. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I'm going to make you strong. Remember him living in us. I will help you, living in us. I will support you, living in us. I will save you, and I am your God. Isn't that powerful? Isn't it good to know that God thought of everything for us, and God is reminding us even in the Old Testament of what's to come, and God is no less God today than He was at the very beginning because He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end of all things. Ready for us. Max Lucado said this in one of his books. Some people like him, some people don't. I understand that. I can eat fish, but I can spit out the bones. Here we go. Max Lucado said, We need to remember that the disciples were common men given a compelling task. Before they were stained glass uh, saints in the cathedrals that we see, they were somebody's next door neighbor trying to make a living and raising their families. They weren't cut from theological cloth or raised in supernatural milk. No. But they were one ounce more devoted than they were afraid. And, as a result, did some extraordinary things. Yeah. And you and I can do the same if we live up to the name of Jesus. Our birthright. Earthly fears. You probably heard that before. And I don't know who wrote that first, Earthly Fears. I think it's the title of the book, actually. And Earthly Fears, because, you know, there's such a long list of fears. Some of you in this, this room, you're just worried. You, you worry all the time. doesn't matter what it is. I had an aunt like that. One cloud in the sky. Oh, Lordy, it's going to rain. I just know it's going to rain. And she would bring her little towel all day long it's going to rain she worried her whole life 
Just worry. People do that. Earthly fears. Someone wrote, are no fears at all if you answer the big question of eternity. I like that. If you answer the big question of eternity, all the other ones get put in the right perspective. Why? Because nothing, nothing, nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see it? So once you answer that, all the other things, but yet in that, in all of that, we have these things that we go through in our lives. And they change us, they shake us, they move us. Listen to Jeremiah 17. This is the one I gave you last week, and I hope that you don't forget it. And sometimes I want to repeat that again. It's like me telling Kyle, Kyle, sing that song again next week. Sing that song again next week. If it was good that time, it's probably going to be good next week. Give me an amen. So this verse is a good verse. It was good last week. It's good this week. It'll be good next week. I probably won't use it next week. Maybe I will. Yeah, what the heck? But the person who trusts in the Lord will be blessed. The Lord will show him that he can be trusted. Remember that? If you trust the Lord a little bit, he'll show you you can be trusted even more. And all these things will happen, and you'll be able to produce great fruit. And that's what we are to be as fruit bearers. In our lives, so that other people can eat of that fruit, so that they too can experience what we've experienced, that God can be trusted. That's how it works. Many Christians choose to move away from the water, and then they wonder why they become weak. You notice that scripture, it says it's planted by the water. Christians choose to move away from God. God doesn't move, remember? He's fixed, but yet He's everywhere. That's God. Satan is powerless, another someone said. Satan is powerless against the protection of Christ. I do believe that. Yes, I do. Because he says in Scripture, he is our defender. He is our deliverer. He is our shield. He is our rescuer. He is our protector. He is our salvation. But in the tough times that come in our lives, we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make in our tough times of life. When the doctor calls, we have a choice to make. When the report comes in and it's not what we think it ought to be or want it to be, and then we can trust or we can run. All I can tell you is to anchor deep. Anchor deeper still. Because God is with you. And God will be your deliverer, no doubt. But we can walk away if we choose to, and that's the thing of God. He loves you so much that He lets you choose whether you love Him or not. And so some people just leave God. Did you know that? Maybe you're there today, or maybe someone listening today, that's what's happened. Somebody's not in church today. You know how it started? I know a person in this room was over 25 years, never came to church. But they're here today. Praise God. You know how that started? One week, two weeks, three months, one year, eight years, 16 years, 25 years. That's how it happened. That's how quick it can go away. Watch this, though. In John chapter 6, many of the followers of Christ had just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 and many more miracles that were around. But notice what takes place in that. The Spirit gives life. No, uh, yes, the Spirit gives life. Um, yes, the Spirit gives life. Know that. The Spirit of God gives life. Give me an amen. amen. The flesh counts for nothing. Why? Because it gets old, it gets wrinkled, and it goes away. That's what we do. 
for all of you young 20 and 30 year olds out there, one day you'll be 60 and you'll, a gravity will hit you just like it's hit me. And your hair will, well, hopefully some of you will still have some hair. All right, here's it goes. Watch this. So the flesh counts for nothing because the flesh is not what inherits eternal life. Don't hold on to the flesh, hold on to the spirit. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of what? Spirit and life. Not things, spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe that. This is Jesus saying it. For Jesus knew the ones that were going to betray him and so on and so forth. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to, you, to me unless the Father has enabled them. Listen to me, somebody, God's enabling you today to come back home. He's calling you right now. You're trying everything in your spirit to move away from it. You're trying to look at this or look at that. Or you're trying to look at your phone. Or you're trying to think about the games today or the fight last night. You're trying to do anything to get your mind off it. But God keeps interrupting you and simply saying, no, 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 listen, 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 listen. Remember the stubbornness? But notice verse 66. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This is probably one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture. Did you know that? You might say, well, what about when Jesus wept? The shortest verse, Jesus wept. Yeah, that was sad. But do you know what happened right after that? A resurrection. Lazarus was raised from the dead. Oh, Jesus on the cross. That's sad. Oh, it's sad. But I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. Because without the death on the cross, I'd still be in my sin. And the resurrection took place. Give me an amen. amen. In this scripture, it says that some of the disciples turned back and no longer followed Jesus. That, my friend, is sad. Why did they leave? Perhaps you could write a book on that. Someone probably has. But for many, today, it can be that they no longer are looking for something. They're looking for something other than Jesus. Do you know many people go to church looking for something other than Jesus? Really? Some would say they go for entertainment, some for social things, some they, they, they just go looking for stuff, what Jesus can do for them. What Jesus can give them, only give them. So they're in it for that. They're not looking for Jesus so that they can follow Jesus. They're looking for Jesus, a Jesus that gives them the miracle. Here's plenty of food. Chuck Swindoll wrote in one of his books, he said, I remember watching the man put a $1 in the collection plate and taking out four. He said he may have needed it, but he came to church that day with a personal agenda and that had little to do with worshiping God the Father. Apparently he had gone out of the Christian business and had just hadn't taken down the sign yet. Huh. There are many folks just like that. They enter the sanctuary, if you will, looking for something that has little to do with Christ. How can I say that and actually mean it? Well, I say it and I do mean it. It is because when they come and when they leave, they're exactly the same. And I just believe that anytime you're in the presence of God, you can never leave the same. Come into His presence with a surrender, 
I put up there 1 Corinthians. Just read it for yourself. The last point I make today to make my three points, Jim, is make a decision to never give up. To never give up your surrender to God. Why would one say that? Because in your surrender, you get God. Why would you ever want to give it up? You see, I believe with all my heart, if it's worth it in the beginning, when I was 12 years old, on June the 20th, 1969, I gave my life to the Lord. It was worth it then. Well, I'm 61 now, and you know what? I believe that it's still worth it. If it's worth it in the beginning, it's worth it in the end. I'll never forget a service that I was holding one time. And at the end of the service, the invitation call, there was an elderly gentleman in his late 80s. I believe he was 88 years old. And he was touched by the Spirit of God. And he wept. And you know what he said to me? All he said was this. Pray, for I've come this far, and I don't want to blow it now. In other words, I don't want to give up. God's been way too good for me to give up now. Don't give up, my friend. Don't give up. Scripture does say in Galatians 5, we have freedom now because Christ made us free. Hallelujah. So stand strong. Do not change and go back into the slavery of the law. Show me a person who has gone back into the world after coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior, and I will show you a miserable person every time. Why? Because the finest things of this world can never compare to what Jesus offers. Period. It'll never quench your thirst. Never. And all I say to those folks is this, that are trying to do that, is please come home. Come home. Just come home. I read a little take on Winston Churchill this past week. I had read it before, but had forgotten about it. I read where Churchill had a had to he spent three years in the eighth grade because he had struggle with the English language. So I was thinking of myself, and I spent two years in the first grade. So I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good. But Churchill, of course, he became the prime minister and all the speeches and stuff that he made. Once he made one at Oxford University, he was asked to make this speech before these dignitaries and things. And so he comes in just like Churchill would always come in. He would have this black suit, his black tie, looked real sharp. He had his cane, he had his top hat, and he had a cigar. He comes to the podium, he puts his cigar down, takes his top hat off, leans his cane up against the, the podium and stands before this massive educated audience. And doesn't say anything for just seemingly the longest of time. And then he just said, Never give up. Complete silence once again. The longest of time went by. And he repeated the same three words, Never give up. He took his top hat, took his cigar, and took his cane. And he was finished. There's a lot to be said about that, but let me give you this scripture and see if there's some connection. Philippians 3, and we'll finish there, guys. Philippians 3, 
Paul writes these words, not that I have already obtained all of this, I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And some of you were probably quoting that as I was reading that. Perhaps Churchill read that statement from Paul. I don't know if he did or not. But I see the never give up. You say, well, I really don't see it in those few verses. Well, I set those few verses in, uh, in, in place so I could give you 15 and 16. For it says, all of us, then who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if... On some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. God is so good. With a surrender to Him, to live my life surrendered to Him, and then through that process to live my life in accordance to that birthright that I have. If we will do that in our lives, I think things will begin to change for us in this 2019 that we've just entered into. Thank you for being such a good audience today. Have you surrendered all? Would you like to surrender today? You remember the verses we gave you. They're all true and they can change your life. Just surrender. Won't you come? together as we stand and sing. Come now.